This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, Powered by the Witness, a Black Christian Collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. risk. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness. He has a very extensive bio. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, uh, Mr. Blue Check, the, the book award winner, <laughs> the HBCU professor. Get it all in there. Get it all in Like, there. all the the world traveler. <laughs> Mr. Blue Check verified himself. Dr. Jamar Tisby, what's going on, brother? I am incredibly excited to be in the same room with you. Hey. And in a very special room. So we are at St. Stephen Church in Louisville, Kentucky, pastored by the Reverend Dr. Kevin W. Cosby. Wow, wow. He and his church have graciously made their space available to us. So that we're in the St. Stephen Family Life Center in their studio. So you see all the beautiful lights and set up. Well, we well they may not you. see it. They can only see it. If they That's go to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. So if you are on Patreon, shout out to you. Welcome. Uh, I'm glad you can see everything. If you're not, you can change that right now. Absolutely. Go to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic and become a subscriber. And there's a whole bunch to get into about St. Stephen Church and its relationship to the college. But let's just say it's that symbiotic connection between mm. education and the black church that has a very long history. So shout out to the St. Stephen family. We up in here. Thank absolutely. You. Absolutely. And it's cool to see you in your element too. <laughs> About to go to class with Dr. Tisby after this. That's going to be really cool. So I'm really excited for that. But man, it's good to be back on the mic with you. Yes, sir. But these times, every time we, we hop on the mic, I feel like we can always talk about some sort of tragedy. We can always talk about something that's difficult something that is shaping reality for black Christians, black people, the black community. And in the early days of Black History Month, we're having to reckon with this reality of the aftermath of the Tyree Nichols beating. Mm. Mm. And it's even hard for me to say it and articulate it like that, because typically we hear shooting, we hear, you know, those types of things, mistaken identity, you know, pulled the gun instead of the taser. But beating and beating at the hands of five black Memphis mm -hmm. police officers and the trauma of that and the weight of that. And we, we typically like to now let these situations breathe a little bit because I don't trust my initial thoughts mm. with these situations. And I think I'm so emotionally invested in what's happening. I don't trust the clarity of my thought. I'm like, I need to step away. I need to you know, really process how I feel before I share those sure. types of things. But when you heard about this and when you heard that the body cam footage was going to be dropping, and can we just say something about release dates and release times for a black this death? Can we like not this do that? It, it felt like it was a single dropping and exactly. I didn't like that Exactly. felt all. like it was, uh, the way I wrote it, uh, a macabre movie premiere. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you knew the date, you knew the time, get your DVR ready, like to, to, to watch someone literally being beaten to the point of death. And there was something off about that, for sure. 
So you hear that this video is coming out. So first of all, before the video came out, did you know about the Tyree Nichols incident? I had heard rumblings about it, like this thing went down, he's dead, He's ba it's bad, but I didn't know much until the week that the, the video came out. Right. I, I barely heard anything about it. Like, I think I may have heard someone mention his name right. and the hashtag, because hashtags are typically where things crop up. But I hadn't seen any clips or seen mm -hmm. his face mm -hmm. or anything. So apparently what happened is January 7th, he gets pulled over for allegedly reckless driving. He gets out, runs. And because of that, the cops chase him down. And I wasn't able to watch the video. I, I'm not able to watch those videos, but apparently was beaten. And then three days later, succumbs to injuries from his from that beating. From that beating. Yeah. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this? We're back at this point again. Mm. I think it was Roxanne Gay or somebody who mentioned, I've been writing on police brutality for 13 years, 10, 13 years, and nothing has changed, mm. right? Mm. You know, nothing's changed. Nothing substantively has shifted. Right. Nothing substantively has adjusted. Is that the same level that this puts you in? Is that the same place that this puts you in? Or are you seeing maybe some hopeful signs yeah. that give us an opportunity to move forward? I mean, I think one of the things that makes me sort of uncomfortable with the nothing has changed talk is as a historian, literally our job is to study change over time hmm. or continuity over time. But with the larger picture and the larger scope of history, things change slowly which is cold comfort because Tyree Nichols is dead, right? But it also gives us the perspective of, like even when we look at the civil rights movement and certain laws being changed and acts being passed, Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, housing, Fair Housing, all of that stuff, all of that stuff took decades to build the momentum, even Brown v. Board, right? So I wonder if in this moment it feels like nothing has changed because it feels like just yesterday we have been protesting some similar incident, right? Mm -hmm. And now here we are again. But, A, do we need to give it a longer timeline? Not that we'd be patient. We'd be urgent with our demands. But things typically change over a long time. And two, has, has truly nothing changed? Well, where do you see things changing? Because it's clear you see some shift, right? Especially within this incident. So what do you think maybe is different about this incident than others that we've seen? So again, you know, the preface of all the changes that we hope for have not occurred right. for sure. But it does feel different. Um, in, in, in the sense of, if you would compare it to like 2014, 2015, when Black Lives Matter first started. And again, this is an instance of anti-black police brutality, yes. which again feels like nothing has changed because aren't we protesting the same things? Well, we had body cam and we sort of took that for granted that that would be there which wasn't the case seven or eight years ago. Um, a lot of people remarked on the swiftness that the, the, the tapes were released compared to other events. Um, there's a black female police chief, which right. that's a whole separate thing, but sure. it's, it's, it's a factor there. Uh, the police officers were fired and charged very swiftly, except one, the, the white officer. Right. Uh, we'll which talk is very about interesting. that. Yeah. Um, but honestly, on a more personal level, what felt a little different was 
in 2014, 2015, when these videos came out, I often felt very isolated. And this time, people know to sort of check in. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I got text messages yes. and phone calls, mm-hmm. even some Venmos and things like that. You, what? You got Venmos? Who <laughs> <laughs> your friends? <laughs> Great people. Who's you sending, know who you are. Who's Thank sending you. Jamar Venmos? <laughs> who's sending Jamar Venmos? Because they recognize the labor and the cost of, for instance, you and I doing this oh, and absolutely. talking about this and all of that. So, and then, and then last thing, 2015, I saved this tweet from John Lewis, you know, civil rights activist, congressman, now deceased. And in 2015, he put out a tweet. He says, if you think things haven't changed, come walk a mile in my shoes. Mm-hmm. And he had a picture of him with President Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's just like, here we have this titan of the civil rights movement who has faced things that we never will in our lives, in the pursuit of racial justice, saying, no, things have changed. And if you think it doesn't, then come talk to somebody whose skull was literally fractured yeah. on the march for voting rights. Um, so those are some things that I look at. What yeah. about you? Do you think anything's changed? Well, I, I would love to go back to the moment where I heard a, that this was coming, yeah. right? So the moment that I heard this was coming, I wasn't super familiar with the case, um, super familiar with the instance, but then I started to see people warning yeah. Be braced for this. Turn off your autoplay. You know, <sighs> prepare yourself. Yes. And what was really helpful about that was the level of camaraderie where we come around each other and we brace one another in the preparation for trauma. The trauma mm. of uh, seeing a black life taken, but then also the double trauma of seeing black life take black life in that way. Yeah. And in such a brutal and visceral way. And so as a result, I, I kind of, you know, clammed up a little bit, tightened up a little bit. Sure. But what was different about this for me was Tyree Nichols and, and we've talked at length about it doesn't matter what you do, where you've been, you deserve dignity, right? Yep. You deserve the, di- you, no one deserves this, right? But looking at someone like Tyree Nichols and getting to know his story, yeah. hearing his family talk, um, him being involved in his church, um, him being a skateboarder, engaging in joy, him being a Photogra- father, photographer. a photographer, yeah. someone who who was so involved in beauty and wonder mm. and enjoyment yep. and seeing that snuffed out felt different to me personally in in the way of it felt like in a new year, 2023, a, a hopeful turning of the page for some of us. You know, people think we're post-pandemic, whatever you want to say. But, you know, a hopeful turning of the page for us after this three years of kind of being in this malaise. Okay, 2023 is going to be a new year. And that hope was snuffed Mm. early in the year. It Mm. it felt like a microcosm of what society and culture does to black joy. Wow. And to not just black joy, but the celebration of black beauty, the engagement Mm. of black beauty. And so it felt heavier for me listening to them talk, listening to them talk about him and what he meant to the community, what he meant to them. But then I think, you know, I didn't watch the video, but I'll tell you, Jay, what struck me as different, and maybe this gets into the progress talk, is there were a lot of things we could talk about with the video 
and what people reported about it. Mm. Um, him crying for his mother, who was a hundred yards away. Um, you know, the, the visceral, brutal, savage nature of it. But then also, it was reported that after he was propped up on the car, that the officers fist bumped each other. Oh my. And Jamar, that took me to a place. And it took me to a place because I say, listen, it is great that we have strategy, structure, system, marching for change, protesting, demands. I'll tell you this. There is something profoundly wrong with the soul of this nation. And the soul of this nation is, is profoundly disturbed and damaged. We see this in the mass shootings that we've seen already so far in the, in the first 30 days of the year. But then we see not just the engagement in black violence and anti-black violence and death, but the glorification, the celebration of it. And I felt more moved than ever that something deep within the fabric mm. of the nation must change. Mm. And that we're going to spin our wheels in mud as long as we don't touch the fabric and the heart of what's going on. And, you know, perhaps this is the pastor in me, you know, but I feel like there is, there is, this is a principality that must be warred against. This is a stronghold that must be torn down. And as long as we don't touch the root that this country needs soul change. And there are different people at different levels, but I, I felt like more moved than ever then no, 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 this is a sign and a reminder to us that if we don't touch the heart of this nation and change it from the inside out, um, we're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to be in the same place for a long, long time, for a long time. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's where I was, where I felt and that's what bothered me. Yeah. That's what, and there's a couple of other reasons why, but you know, we've got to get to a break, but I want to, I want to come back and talk about a couple of the reasons why. That bothered me even deeply when I saw people talking about the incident and some of the things that happened. So we'll be right back here on Pass the Mic. Hey, everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pass the Mic. But let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. And for just $1 an episode. Just a dollar? Now, that's the bare minimum. That's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, go 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening. But you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash pass the mic we appreciate you so i was talking earlier about some of the things that bothered me about this and made me say oh there needs to be a soul change that happens within the country one of them is this very ironic thing i, I love when people do this um, when people are like, see, this is a white supremacy. This oh, isn't God. racism. <laughs> it's black hands. See, as if using the brutal murder of an innocent black man 
as pretext to silence people who talk about white supremacy isn't anti-black in and of itself. Right. I'm like, you're, this is hilarious, right? Right. So in this moment, you are using this as an opportunity to say, let's silence. See, gotcha. We told you, look at all of you who always talk about white supremacy. Is this white supremacy? As if that isn't <laughs> a function. That statement in and of itself isn't a function of a white supremacist idea. Exactly. And so I'm looking at I'm like, this is interesting. So now you're telling me that people acting at the hands of the state, and, and this is what I, you know, I had this conversation with a couple of people. I said, okay, so this is funny to me. I said, so so how many hashtags have you seen of black bodies? And then so they list off all these hashtags. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, so name the white ones. Off the top of your head. Not saying you can't find them. Off right. the top of your head. <laughs> name them. And they were like, well, you know, that's not what it's about. Oh, why isn't it? Because they would have never done this. Let's just be honest. Uh, they would have never done this if the melanin was different. Wow. If the skin was different. They wow. would have never done this. Yeah. And so when you look at that, I'm like, you, this is what we're arguing about right now? It, it, it boggles the mind. When I first saw on social media that people were using this as an excuse to say this wasn't about race, it's actually a better example of systemic racism than if the cops were white. Because <laughs> exactly, yes. we, what we're saying with systemic racism, it is embedded in the policies and the practices yes. and the culture of this institution. And it does not depend on isolated attitudes in order to function. Just by being in the system, you participate in that system, you're complicit in that system, and you can even embrace yes. that system in terms of its anti-blackness. That's how you get black people and other people of color involved in the white supremacist project writ large, is they participate in the systems that white supremacy and racism have crafted. And so regardless of your personal prejudices towards different people, exactly. just by participating in this, just by being part of it, you can perpetuate and extend its racism and injustice. And, and that type of thinking, that type of idea comes from a, a mind and a heart that has created, that has been crafted and shaped in the system of this world. And the idea that, oh, we need to fight against certain ideologies mm -hmm. rather than recognizing humanity. Yes. So instead of seeing Tyree Nichols' humanity and saying, let us lament, instead, he is used as a tool and a pawn for you to get off your bars about whether or not these people should be using this particular instance as an example of systemic racism. Right. Well, let's, right. I'm like, there's something. And, and I, there were a lot of black men who did it. There are a lot of educated black men. What is going it. on? There were a lot of there were a lot, black men. There were a lot of black men with degrees longer than the alphabet who did. You know? So I'm like, this is very interesting. It is very interesting. It's very disturbing on that level. I mean, this is basic. This is rudimentary. Uh, black people have been saying this for generations that it's the system. Related to that, I think one other difference was there was, as you said, I think a recognition that there's something deeply, deeply wrong at the root yes. here, at the soul level, as you put it. And I think there was a more muted uh, response around 
cries of things like defund the police or abolish the police. Hmm. If, if that was typically when that's out there, there's this massive backlash argument debate. It, to me, on my end of social media, it seemed like there wasn't as much pushback. There was some sort of recognition like yes. there's something really rotten at the root that right. adding a body cam right. or more diversity training is not going to touch. Remember, remember when we really thought there were people, I, I literally had this conversation with someone um, who is a person in ministry and he was convinced national body cam law. Mm. That's what it is. National body. It's just like 2016, I think. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to do it. Right. Like I was, but at, at least I was thinking like, oh no, now I can get behind that. Like I totally sure. understand. Like for sure. Like, but national body cam law, as if that was going to change. That's what struck me about the video. Like these guys knew their body cams were on, and they didn't care. It didn't restrain them at all. Wow. It wasn't effective in preventing it, but hopefully it's helpful in holding them accountable. But it was really astounding to me how, like, how you know a camera is on and you're still doing this. That, that speaks again to the sort of system. Absolutely. I mean, there must have been something to say, even if there's video evidence, it's not going to get me in trouble. Or they didn't think what they were doing was wrong, which is even worse. Um, so, but one of the differences, perhaps time will tell, it just feels like, like you said, it felt like, this went way beyond tweaks to the system and revising right. or reforming. And I think people are at least maybe more open to what we would call, quote, more radical solutions, which really means yeah. to get at the root of something. I have to tell you, like, this this might be my, like, radical political origin story. Oh. Like, in terms of, it made me think, okay, what would what would my community look like without police? This is the first time I've actually thought That's that. That's where this I It's the first time I've actually is. thought that. Yes. And so I'm not saying I, I went all the way. It was like, oh, yeah, well, get rid of them and all this. I was just like, what would it look like without the presence of law enforcement? Bro, look, it is one Have of you the only... That? Have you I have that? thought that because I was on this journey uh, studying history and then thinking about the legacy of slavery. And the closest parallel is modern-day policing and law enforcement. And so I've been... You know, I'm involved with Equal Justice USA, which is seeking to uh, repeal the death penalty. Um, I was very struck when I visited uh, Birmingham and, and or Montgomery, rather, and the Equal Justice Initiative um, Museum there. And it said slavery evolved and showed the evolution, de-evolution of mass incarceration. Mm. But that is. And so in all these conversations, the, the, the topic is about preventing harm. It's about community safety. Right. It's not about policing, which the very yes. word means you look for trouble. Right. Right. And and that and that's how I viewed it. Not as a, I didn't view it. I think in a lot of these conversations, we censor law enforcement, we censor you know military, we censor you know prison workers, whatever correctional officers. I'm I'm trying to decenter that. I'm trying to center community. Yeah. I was just thinking about yeah. as a pastor in a community that is. 75% black, what would it look like to not have the active presence right. of police running through this, these neighborhoods, right? So, so how do we, how do we as a community come together and think about, you know, watching out for one another, putting policies and plans in place, 
um, you know, a better system of communication, all these different things. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, uh, this might need to be something that we push up in the agenda. Yeah. You know, and, and again, like I'm, I, I, I think this is the time for dreaming and the time for imagination. So I'm not saying, oh yeah, we've come to conclusions more like in my mind, it was the first time I said, oh, I think I would probably be open to this conversation. Yes. And I was never open to the conversation before. Yes. But seeing that, I think it just, seeing him smiling and knowing that he was entering into a new year mm. with hopes, with dreams, with desires. I believe he was going to see his mom. I wonder what that was like because he came from Sacramento and to Memphis. You know, so West Coast to South, real South. I wonder if he ever had that question in his mind. What, what's it going to be like for me as a black man down there? Right. I mean, it, it, it to me has echoes of Emmett Till coming from Chicago mm. down to the Delta. Right. And I wonder mm. if any of that crossed his mind. And then with what happened, how that further cements in some people's minds, how Racism in the South is different. It's not like we can go through all those hashtags and look at a map. This is all yeah, over the it's place, all over right? The place. Yeah. But and then of course this is the the the, the city where MLK was assassinated, right? Yeah. So it sort of further cements that in the mind. But to your point, I do think the Overton window has shifted for some people that this tragedy, this murder, um, opened folks up to the possibility. Of truly reimagining something, yeah. and, and and this is this is why Pastor Mike exists not to be the policy. We're not policy yeah. wonks. We're not um, political scientists or theorists. Uh, we are two black Christian men who are trying to navigate this world in a way that encourages the love of God and the love of neighbor. That's right. And we are trying to help black people. It, maybe this is your first PTM episode, so I think this is important to say. We're trying to help black people reimagine life in a way that causes us to flourish, both as believers in Jesus and as image bearers of the divine. Mm. And I believe that it is crucial for us to, to, to do hard work of reimagining and dreaming new realities, new vistas, new approaches. And to really get to the soul of the problem. America needs to be born again. Like this is, this is not a, this is not even a statement that should be controversial, hmm. but, but it is for so many people. There's something off. We must be born again. And I believe that that will only come from the margins, not from the center, not from the places of power, but from the people who see smiling faces like Tyree Nichols or who see his mother um, in tears on national television and say, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, Andre always says that it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to live like this. We don't have to exist in this reality. This is, we can change this. Yes, absolutely. And I hope we change it from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we've been influenced by people who tell us that Outside change is all that's needed. External change is all that's needed. And it's true, we need external change. But I've been moved more and more, Jay. And maybe this is just a different shift for 2023 for me. 
but it's got to come from the inside out. Mm. All the policies in the world cannot protect us from rotten hearts and rotten souls and from the, the, the DNA. Like what, what we have to rework the fabric of the country and we have the power with the spirit to do that. We have the legacy to stand in to see what that has looked like. We're standing, we're sitting in on ground right. where these things have been shifted and changed That's and right. redone and reworked. It's possible. I mean, what I'm sensing, punctuated by what you just said, is a movement of the spirit among people of faith to instigate social change. Um to try to instigate ch social change as people of faith without recognizing the spiritual dimensions, I think is a fool's errand, which is not to say that lots yes. of other people yes. um, haven't done great things in many ways. They are pacing us and, and showing us the, the, the way toward change. I just think if, if, if we are people who, who call the name of Jesus and try to do this work apart from Jesus, um, that's not the way it works. And so what does it look like to have a 21st century version of the beloved community? Because I think it begins with that vision yes. of what it could be, um, this reimagining. And that's one of the things that oppression does is it chips away at our imagination, yes. our ability to envision a reality that's different than the one we live in now. And we can imagine safety for our communities that doesn't involve people with pepper spray, tasers, batons, and guns, the instruments of violence in order to keep us safe. And that's what I think is the conversation now. And that's also when you say coming from the inside out, this is also has to come, like you're saying, from the margins, people who have been victimized, oppressed, marginalized, not the people who have historically had social, cultural, political right. power. So that remains the challenge for this nation. And to un it underscores the threat and the perniciousness of attempts to halt a re-examination mm. of our mm. nation's history. Mm. Because mm. if you want to talk about the soul of the nation, then you got to go back to how it was started. Exactly. Which is in violence, genocide, racism, slavery, and that's a whole other episode. Absolutely. But completely agree. That's what the threat and the danger of these efforts, these sort of almost counter-revolution efforts when it comes to racial justice, what it's preventing us from doing is taking an honest look at how this nation was founded, what are the principles and ideas that led to great wealth for some and great injustice for others. And until we really can do that yeah. as a people... Uh, we won't make much progress at all. It is possible to change. It is possible to to do it differently. We just just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean we can't. Don't get me started, Tyler. Because it's possible. There's a whole thing in history called contingency. contingency but we'll talk about exactly. that some other time. I don't know, man. It, did, it didn't have to be. We could have changed it. It didn't have to be this way. And it doesn't have to be this way. And so we yeah. could be the generation that changes it. I think this is this situation moved me more towards that than anything else. And in the midst of all the lamenting and the uh, tears and the tense tenseness in the body and the conversations that we had yeah. and I had with others, 
and the the almost the the fighting of numbness and desensitization yes i came away saying it doesn't have to be this way it shouldn't be this way what can we do to change it This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.